This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, we discuss how you can pay for your flight training through scholarships with Leslie Cobble. Leslie has successfully applied to many scholarships and wants to share her story so you can be successful in applying for a scholarship. But before we begin, just a few announcements. If you have any questions, comments, maybe an inspirational story, write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Also today, we just updated the scholarships guide. Of course, we're up to $120 million in scholarships. The August guide is up. This month, we've added let's see, 52 new scholarships. And then we went back and updated about 50 scholarships. And that's the benefit to you by when you purchase it for $10, we update it every month and you have access for a year. And it's it's a job and, uh, you know, great job, Alicia, who actually works in the scholarships guide. And don't forget to go check out also our videos out there on YouTube. We started doing a part of the pilot interview course that I have. We started putting out one video every week for free. So check that out there. Well, anyway, like I said, we're today discussing how you can pay for your flight training through scholarships. And that's with Leslie Cobble. And one of the things that uh, she is all about, she walks the walk. She's actually done it. She's made it through the scholarship process. She's won many scholarships and also is an incredible podcaster. We'll talk about that in a little while here. Leslie, welcome to the show. Aloha, Carl. I'm so thrilled to be here with you today. And I am a huge fan of you and your show and all the, you know, the help that you give to us pilots out there during your free time. And I know what time it takes and the sacrifices you have to make to do that. So I sure appreciate it. I'm, like I said, a big fan of your podcast as well as the Stuck Mike Avcast. Well, thank. I really appreciate that. And by the way, that you mentioned Stuck Mike, there is a show that we did. A lot of people thought we would put out on on aviation careers. Uh, that's a Brian Scholl, and talk about somebody who's incredibly inspirational. He used to fly the SR seventy one. Just uh, really neat his story there. But uh, somebody who's who's been through trials and tribulations. But so have you, Leslie. And that's what we want to kind of talk about today. Uh, and you truly have. You've done it. You've you've made it through the process of winning scholarships. Uh, before we begin, though. Do you have an idea about how many you may have won? Uh, yeah, I've, I actually, I have to write them down. So I've received one, two, three, four, five. I've received six total. Um, I don't, I should have totaled the dollar amount. It's in the neighborhood of about fourteen, fifteen thousand $15,000 total. And that's from private instrument. I did not receive any for my commercial, but I did just recently receive one for my CFI training. Uh, very recently, about a, month or two ago, applied for one for my CFII, which I did not get. So I was kind of bummed about that. But you know what? You just keep plugging away and, and keep at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Leslie, for those that don't know, you are actually not very close to Lakeland, Florida. Uh, where, where, where are you right now recording from? I live in Kihei, Hawaii. And so that is on the island of Maui. I'm in Maui County. And my home airport is the Kahului Airport. And the identifier is OGG or PHOG. Oh, cool. And, and those are uh, PHOG? Yeah, PHOG. And the P is for? I mean, Pacific, were you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting because we're used to a, a different letter on the front of that, but right. uh, it's because we're here in North America. We uh, say but, no to Kilo, as some people like to say. <laughs> oh, cool. It, 
I actually, one of the things that, and we'll talk about that later, I, I've always wanted to get out there to fly. So we're going to talk, talk a little about trying to get Carl out to fly in the, yes. one of the last states I haven't been able to, to land in. But one of the things that's really cool, and it comes through in your podcast, uh, and it really is the passion that you have for aviation. So let's talk a little bit about your journey, and then we'll talk about how you were able to win those scholarships. How'd you get started in aviation, and why are you so passionate? Well, my inspiration and motivation stems from my grandmother, my flying grandmother. My grandparents both flew. Um, my grandfather flew back in World War II. Like many people my age, their grandparents uh, were involved in World War II. Uh, bought his own airplane. He lost his medical. And in the meantime, my grandmother started flying. So kind of fast forward a few years, she wound up getting her commercial license, uh, single and multi-engine and became an instructor. She actually instructed my dad to fly. And this was back in the 60s when there weren't many female pilots in Arkansas. And um, she went on to volunteer with the FAA safety team. She was the first woman on the Arkansas Aeronautics Commission, and she's now in the Arkansas Aviation Hall of Fame. So, I mean, I grew up Hearing stories, I knew all of her 99's friends from uh, her Memphis chapter by name, but it was weird. Um, nobody, she nor my dad ever said, hey, is this something you want to do? You want to take a flying lesson? That's just something the adults did. And so fast forward to the age of 42, and this is another really long story that I won't go into, but we, my husband and I and his brother opened a flight school in Arkansas. And... I was working in the office one day, answering the phone and doing some billing. We also have a maintenance facility there. And I got a text from John and he said, grab a headset. You're going to, you're going to go on your first discovery flight or your discovery flight with one of the instructors. And I was just, I was excited, but I was a little, uh, not frustrated is the wrong word, but I, I, my personality is the type where if I knew I was going on this discovery flight, I would have spent a week watching YouTube videos, reading articles, what happens on a discovery flight. <laughs> but he, he knew that about me and just sent me on, just knew that was the best way just to take that step of faith and get in the airplane and go. And oh my goodness, did he create a monster that day? And I haven't looked back since I got my private pilot certificate in Arkansas through our flight school. And then we moved to Maui in 2017, and we opened a new business here. It's an indoor trampoline park called Ultimate Air, which is our nod to our passion for aviation. And we were out of the plane for 18 months. My husband's also a commercial pilot. And we were out of the plane for 18 months because all of our finances were put into our two boys going to college, to our big move here, opening a business. And... Um, and this is a very, very expensive place to live. Um, and it wasn't until I got one of these scholarships that that got me back into the plane. It, it helped pay for my flight review and start building time uh, for my instrument rating. So then you got back into flying because of the scholarship. Correct. And yeah. that, that's awesome. I didn't realize that's that's so cool. Now, one of the things that I think we look at when we look at scholarships, a lot of folks are like, well, it takes too much time, too much energy, et cetera. We're going to go on a little bit. We're going to dive deep into that as far as getting a scholarship. So I would love for you to help us understand how to become successful in getting one of those scholarships. And obviously, someone who's passionate about aviation, that's important, number one. So why don't we go through those steps? And, okay. Uh, so first first of all, um, I, 
I'd like to say, and I should back up a second. You wrote to me and said to me, you know, you wanted to share the story with other people. And I said, what better way than to get on the podcast and directly tell people? So we're going to go through those steps that you share with me. So the first of all, you talk about carve out some time. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, so carve out the time. Like you said, it takes a lot of time to even just get on Google and do a Google search of aviation scholarships. And that's if you don't know where to start, just start there. I mean, Google can lead you down so many paths, but you can go down a lot of rabbit holes as well, because there is a lot of free money out there for flight training. And it takes time once you narrow down, you know, simple thing I would do is just through the Google search, make a list of all the ones that I met the requirements for that I knew I might be eligible for, that I had a good chance of being awarded, and just go from there. Um, you know, for me personally, I'd like to to do kind of batch work, work in blocks of time. So I would, you know, during scholarship season, I would take out a time. I'd literally write it on my my calendar that sits right here next to me. And like Fridays from two o'clock to four o'clock, that's the time where I'm not going to answer any calls. I'm just going to devote that time to either researching scholarships or spend my time applying for the scholarships or getting the materials together that are needed to submit to one that I'm planning on applying for. So there's other ways that you can find them. I mean, there's there's your scholarships guide, which I subscribe to, and it's great. And as you know, and your subscribers know, it's a huge document. It takes time alone just to go through all of those and see which ones that you might need to apply for. Um, some of the women's pilots groups, like Women in Aviation, um, their scholarship application is open right now. There are hundreds of scholarships available through Women in Aviation. It takes time to go through those. The 99s. Um, even within the 99s, it's not just the big international scholarships. Every section, every chapter sometimes has their own scholarships. And you have to go to those individual websites to, to dig through and, and find those. Um, I've got a 99s friend of mine over on Oahu, and she has this amazing website, and she does it for free. It's a database of scholarships, and it's for men and women. It's called Blondes and Aviation. She also has some really cool cheat sheets on there as well. So that's a resource. Just go to the ramp, go to your hangar, go to the FBO, network, word of mouth, just talking to people. And you may find out about a scholarship that way. And I'm a big fan of social media, of course, you know, podcasting. But I know at least for women, there's a lot of really good Facebook groups. And on a whim, they may decide they'll get a donation and decide to throw up a scholarship. This happened literally four days ago. Uh, there's a group called Girls Who Love to Fly. And somebody donated enough money for a written test for a scholarship. And so you just happen to see the post and write in through an email to the administrator and say why you or nominate someone for a written test scholarship. So there's a young lady at our flight school here that I nominated her for her private pilot test. And um, and it was like a 48-hour window that you had to do that. Um, and that's kind of how I got one of mine. Uh, was through the Ladies in Flight Training Facebook group. Um, we had a virtual scavenger hunt, aerial scavenger hunt last summer, which was so fun. And at the end of it, they asked people to say, you know, what were your thoughts about it? Why are you passionate about aviation? What's your What are your next steps in flight training? And it was just simply commenting on a Facebook post. And they chose me to award me a written test scholarship, which I used for my commercial test back in February. So all that said, that's a lot. So it takes a lot of time just to find the scholarships that you're going to apply for. 
So you truly need to definitely carve out some time. There's something else that you said, and, and I, I really want to be able to understand this, is that, and this is something we stay away from sometimes, is the scholarship season, because there's a typical scholarship season, but a lot of scholarships open up throughout the year, like you mentioned. So when you said scholarship season, uh, for those that don't understand, what does that mean? Well, I know at least, and of course, from uh, the women pilot organizations, Fall is a huge time because the 99s, they uh, have their deadline in the fall for their Fly Now scholarship for private pilot. Uh, Also for the Amelia Earhart Memorial Scholarship Foundation, the application opens. That's usually due at the end of the year. They've actually pushed it this past year into January. So fall is a big time to really be working on your application for that. That's a huge packet you have to turn in. And also women in aviation, generally their scholarship applications are due in November. So they release the scholarships around July and, uh, you know, most people start hearing about them. But then when you really start digging into it and working on your application, it's the fall. So the fall really becomes, it's like back to school, it's scholarship season. But there is, you know, there's a lot of scholarships, like you said, throughout the year. Spring is another big time as well. Glad you said that because it's really important to keep looking throughout the year. The other thing, too, is because of that time frame, you really, if you're up against a, you know, a, a deadline, you really shouldn't start, you know, looking at the last moment. And I think that's one of the next point is start early. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, I've seen way too many people, especially when I'm mentoring some of our our newer pilots, our student pilots here on Maui or even back in Arkansas. Um, Some of them, and I see this generally with some of the younger ones, not always, but more with the younger ones. They're waiting until, you know, the week before or even 48 hours before a deadline is due to even get started on their application. And that's just not enough time to submit an application that's going to make you shine and make you stand out between all the others. Um, A lot of the applications, yeah, I mentioned some that are just like Facebook comments that are available, but those aren't very common. The most scholarships are huge packets you have to send in and it's getting letters of recommendation. It's writing your essay. It's, you know, something that's not hard, but it is time consuming is making copies of your logbook, of your medical certificate, of your pilot certificate. And there's just, you know, every scholarship is different what's required. So, it is going to take you some time, especially if you're in the middle of flight training, if you are going to school, if you have a job and a family, it's not something you can just whip together in a day. Writing your essay by itself is going to take a lot of time. If you want to um, make it stand out and you've got to proofread it, you know, we're going to talk about that in, in a minute. I mean, I highly recommend having, having a few people proofread it for you. Uh, it's really hard to get that done in just a couple of days. So, I mean, every application you complete, though, you're investing all this time. What gets frustrating, and I know a lot of people that have, they've applied for years for scholarships and have never been awarded one. And it, it gets it gets frustrating and you just want to give up. But you can't win one if you don't apply for it. But the way I look at it is everyone that I apply for, I'm gaining experience from that. You have the opportunity to exercise those muscles And that's going to lead you to future success. And it's going to help you in your future application process and interview processes. It's going to help you refine your resume and not let your resume sit on the shelf for six years. Um, Keep that updated. So even if you don't win, it's not going to be time that's wasted. 
No, it definitely won't be time that's wasted. And uh, these skills you can use for the rest of your life. That's mm-hmm. for sure. It's great. It's a great idea just to to up those those skills. The other thing too, a part of this is uh, something you're going to have to do, and that's what you have for step number three. If you're going to apply for a job, letters of recommendation. Yeah. And so again, it kind of goes hand in hand with starting your application process early. Get your letters of recommendation early. Try to find at least one person who's flown with you or at least who knows your passion and your goals for aviation. Something I like to do is before I ask for a letter of recommendation, I like to have at least a rough draft of my essay available and I'll usually email it to them just so they can see the angle I'm coming from and what I'm talking about. And they can, you know, not necessarily match up their letter to my essay, but it helps them uh, write with a little bit more um, education and more details about the scholarship. They need to know the name of the scholarship, what it's about. Uh, it just helps them with that. And again, it's something that you don't want to lay in someone's lap 24 or 48 hours before the application is due. I mean, I recommend it at the very least two to three weeks. Give them time to work on it. And the longer they have to work on it, the more likelihood that they're going to help make you shine in that letter of recommendation. One of the things I, I'd like to add to that is because I'm asked to do letters or get recommendation all the time is it does put a lot of pressure on the person if you ask for a letter of recommendation and say, hey, by the way, it's due in two days. Uh, so it, it's, just it's happened it. to me as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and just, it, you know, you really want to do it. And, and a lot of times what it does, it causes me not to sleep. So be nice. Try to give us some time to actually write those letters. So I, I like that thought. Also, the other thing that takes some time, too, and that's I think is really, really an important part and tells me a lot about an applicant is the essay. So let's talk about the essay. Okay. So most, most scholarship applications are going to have an essay. Oh, I find the longer the essay, you know, if it says you're allowed 500 words or 1,000 words to me, because as you can probably hear from the podcast, I like to ramble a lot. So <laughs> um, for me, if, you know, an essay that, I've applied for many that have had up to 200 or 250 words. That's really not a lot. That's that's just a few paragraphs where you have to condense your experience, your goals, your passion, your financial need, what's going to happen if you don't get the scholarship, you know, to condense that in such a way that it just doesn't sound like everybody else's. So those actually, to me, take a lot more time than the longer essays. What I like to do is I like to work on my essays for a day or two take a day or two break, walk away from it, and then go back to it. Because you may find a way to word something differently, or you may think of a story that you can include that you forgot when you worked on it uh, a a couple of days prior. Again, it all goes back to starting early on it. Um, Something else, don't copy and paste. You know, A lot of the people on these scholarship committees that award them, they know if it's been copied and pasted. And sometimes they may serve on scholarship committees for multiple ones, and they're like, oh, I've, I've heard this before in this exact way. So I do keep a file of all of my essays. I like to go back to them and see how I worded different thing. And a lot of the points do remain the same. But for every application, I rewrite the entire essay and start over. And it helps you specifically address the points of that scholarship and why they're even awarding that scholarship. Also with your essay, proofread it. And that seems like pretty common sense, but you'd be surprised. I've proofread some essays for people before. And um, I don't know if, you know, 
we're not learning as much grammar in school or what, but the text messaging I, too much. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but you know, it really helps to have somebody professional or at least someone who's good with writing and grammar to help you with editing and proofreading and helping with all the edits. Uh, don't turn in an essay with misspelled words. I mean, just try to make it professional. This is a professional industry. So make your essay professional. Again, it's just going to help you in the future and follow the directions. If it says staple it in the right-hand corner, you know what? Staple it in the right-hand corner. Or if it says to paperclip it on the left-hand side, just do that. You know, follow this. I print out the criteria for the application and I literally use it as a, as a, my own checklist for scholarship applications. Check everything off. Make sure I haven't forgotten anything. Um, be honest if you don't have the financial need for it, but you want to apply for it, then be honest about that. If you have a desperate financial need, be honest about that as well. I mean, sometimes the pride gets in the way. You don't want to admit that um, you have the financial need. And I tell a lot of people that I help with this, you know, financial need doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're living at the poverty level. And um, it, it doesn't mean that at all. I mean, for example, back to our own story, moving to Maui, and we we put so much money into starting a new business. And that was our passion. It, the cost of living here, the cost of flying here is so much more. And we had two kids in college, one going to a very expensive college. And yeah, we're, we're working almost seven days a week. But still, we didn't have the extra money to go fly. And um, and we just needed that little extra. I needed that little extra boost to get me back into the plane. And, you know, something in every essay that probably want to hear is if you don't get the scholarship, if you're not awarded the scholarship, how are you going to push forward and finish that rating or that certificate? They want to know that you've got a plan and they want that addressed in that scholarship essay. The one thing about an essay that I think is really important is you you feel the person. It comes through as long as they're being, like you said, very honest. And I always and I get to review a lot of them. But the big thing is have someone review it uh, because you know, like you said, a lot of people make mistakes. But also sometimes we we do write in text sometimes. And I've caught myself. I've done it too. You know, I'm from the generation that didn't text, but still, I, I've done it myself. So great, all great advice there. But don't turn it in with misspellings. You know, it says something about your attention to detail. That's for sure. You know, the next point you have on here is actually one of my favorite points because a lot of resumes that I look at, I look at the qualifications first and I skip everything else. If I know you're qualified, I go right to the bottom of your resume and I check out the next thing. And that's volunteer. Yeah, volunteer. And, you know, I would think, you know, our aviation community is so special because we, for the most part, the majority of us, we're the type of people we want to pay it forward. And it could be that you're new to aviation, you're just starting your flight training journey, and you just don't even know where to start, where to volunteer. But I mean, and I, I like to help people come alongside them and and help them get plugged in to our community and see how they can give back. Even as a student pilot, you can give back. And whether you're volunteering with the 99s or with EAA or just mentoring a student pilot that really can stand out on your resume. So, I mean, find something that is giving back and it, maybe it doesn't have to be even aviation related. 
Um, it could be something like we've got an almost six-year-old golden retriever, Luke, and I volunteer with the Caring Canines of Maui. He's a certified therapy dog. We go into assisted living centers, into the skilled nursing centers, and even into the schools. He shares love and aloha with all the clients. And I love to talk about that in my essay because it's very, you know, just like flight training and mentoring others is very special to me. It's a passion of mine. So is helping others in our community that's not necessarily aviation related. But if you're looking for something to do, you know, your local EAA chapter, Women in Aviation, the 99s are both organized where you have local chapters spread out all across the world, not just in America. So get involved with them. You don't even have to be a female to be a part of those groups. Uh, they welcome help. I mean, the 99s, they have a wonderful service project, painting compass roses around airports. They need some muscular men out there to, to roll those paintbrushes. And you can always find a way to volunteer. So, you know, things like that really stand out on an application. So glad you mentioned that about getting involved and like the 99s, Women in Aviation. There's many different groups out there. Uh, that It's a big tent, uh, especially with Women in Aviation, I know. And you too can get involved no matter what your demographic. You know, you, you can get involved in all these different things. And I love the fact that you talk about, you know, volunteering with animals even. I mean, yeah. because there's so many people who love animals, you know, who doesn't, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, and it's and sometimes volunteering right now, especially in the season of coronavirus, things shut down. Things are still t- almost totally locked down in Hawaii right now. Um, it's really hard. So uh, my husband and I, we've had to kind of sh- shift our focus during all of this to see, you know, how can we give back when we can't meet as a group? We're down to, we can't meet in groups of more than five right now in Hawaii. So we, we even just got online and we did some like four flight tutoring over zoom calls, like with our 99s group, with our student pilots. We found a lot of people just, you know, we're not four flight experts, but we use it on a daily basis when we fly. So, I mean, it's just something little you can do and just, just, just get creative with it. I love that. And that's something that we all can do by being creative, get out there and volunteer. No matter, no matter what it is, you can help somebody. Well, it's delivering food, mm-hmm. uh, anything. There's so many things out there. And I love that. I love that about the flying community because they always do want to help out. That's for sure. Um, and you can find a lot of these organizations online. Volunteering is important. That's something that, uh, again, going back to the resume, I see that. What are the other things that you do? You know, what is your story? And that kind of leads into our next thing. The sixth point that you have as far as uh, getting your scholarship ready for a application and submittal is find your one thing. What do you mean by that? Yeah, find your one thing. I think probably out of all the other tips, this is probably the thing that that's most important is the thing that's going to help stand out. You know, you're going to have so many people that turn in a really good essay. They're going to have good letters of recommendation. They're going to have a, an application with no misspelled words. They edited right. And so, you know, they sometimes if you're getting hundreds of applications in, they all start running together. What's the one thing that's going to cause your application to stand out and not run together with the rest of the pile? So I believe every person has a unique story and something that sets them apart from the rest of the applicants. And, you know, again, it, it may not have to be aviation related, 
But if you just think about it, you know, what's something you've done in the past? What are you doing right now? I mean, for me personally, I usually mention that John and I, we started uh, our aviation podcast. We do that. We just, we don't make any money off of it. We just do it because we love our community. We want to give back um, and it helps us communicate and it keeps our brains sharp. And also, um, I talk about my flying grandmother and, you know, she started flying in the 60s and had just this amazing aviation career all the way in through her 70s. And um, so I talk about her and how she's my inspiration. And so, I mean, it could be just anything, but find that one thing that's going to set you apart from everyone else. And how about the person that says, well, I don't have one thing? What would you say to that person? Well, I mean, some of that could go back to even volunteering. Create that one thing. Everybody's got a story. Um, I mean, something, you know, find your mentor. I think finding a mentor in aviation is so important or several mentors. You know, have a conversation with them. I'm, you know, don't just sit there thinking, oh, I'm just not that special. I just live a boring life. My goodness, you're wanting to go into flight training, especially if you're a woman, you know, less than 7% of pilots are, are female. That's pretty darn special. And so, you know, I believe everybody has that story. And, you know, I think if you just kind of wrote down on the side, like your own little personal bio or essay, and just think it back through your life experiences, you could find that one thing. Yeah, and we all have that. And I love how you said that. You really look, you know, internally, you all have that special thing. I mean, just like you said, there is something that's special about everybody out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just talk about yourself to someone. I know it's hard to do, isn't it? To talk mm-hmm. about yourself, you know? It I mean? is. It is. I'm very, uh, I don't like to talk about myself. I like to be in the plane. I like to be back behind my computer. You know, when we started our uh, Aloha 360 podcast, that was, it was just, still is so far out of my comfort zone. I don't like putting myself out there, even writing the essays about myself. And I have to talk about, you know, achievements and things that I do. And I'd rather talk about somebody else's achievements, you know? And that's what you can do with the podcast. And by the way, I've, I've listened to some of the podcasts. Great, great job out there. And thanks for sharing these items with the people as far as the listeners and everybody else. We're going to put them in the show notes. You know, first, carve out time. Start early. Number two. Number three, letters of recommendation. Number four is the essay. Number five is volunteer. And number six, find your one thing. Really great advice. And we'll kind of have that printed out in the show notes. But uh if you have questions, by the way, feedback at aviationcursepodcast.com. We'll send uh, over to Leslie, everybody at the podcast, uh, Aloha360, uh, those questions, and you might get some answers. And I, I really highly recommend going out and checking out that. The uh, It was called the Fly Maui Podcast. So let's kind of shift gears since we're talking about the podcast. What is Aloha360 or the what used to be called, I guess, the Fly Maui Podcast? Well, what the the Aloha 360 became again we were grounded because of finances and we were trying to figure out we're empty nesters we left our kids on the mainland um which is kind of exciting but a little sad too so John it was John's idea he came in one day and he said hey let's start a podcast and I said are you kidding me we're not you know audio people we have no experience in this kind of technology so we watched a few youtube videos and bought a few mics and got some uh advice from some other podcasters and we just started recording and what we started it as is a digital journal because i'm really bad at scrapbooking but an audio journal that we could leave behind for our kids and grandkids about our adventures on maui and it turned into you know we'll talk about the activities we like to do of course we talk about our flying places we like to eat because I love to talk about the food here. And 
um, it grew and grew and a lot of people coming to Maui on vacation started listening to it. And we decided to take the aviation piece of it kind of separate. And at the same time, we started working with our, our local instructor, partnered with him with the Fly Maui Flight School. And we started the Fly Maui podcast where we could just talk about aviation. And since uh, the shutdown has happened this year and everything, I don't know, we're just kind of switching gears. Part of it is just a different focus. Part of it is kind of going back to the roots where we're talking about aviation as well as Maui tourism, because Maui tourism, there's so many things to do in the air. I mean, it's just, it's such a beautiful place to fly, whether you're in a fixed wing airplane, a helicopter, or whether you're skydiving, it doesn't matter. And so we're going back to, we're going to eventually put all of the Fly Maui podcast episodes back into the Aloha 360, but the Fly Maui podcast will live out there if, if you're subscribing to it. But um, we'd like to invite everyone to subscribe to the Aloha 360 podcast because we are going to be moving our aviation talk back into that. Awesome. And for those of us that are looking at a journey uh, to Hawaii, this is a great way to visit without being there and prepare for your visit when you get out there. Uh, that's one of the reasons I, I can't wait to see uh, the content coming forth. One of the things I think that I have questions about and everybody else is the the flight training and stuff like that. It is different, isn't it, in the islands? Uh, you really rely on aviation quite a bit. Yes. Yeah, because there are like from Maui itself, there's a lot of people assume that we have ferry boats. There's really only one ferry boat. It goes from Maui Island over to Lanai. And that's it. The only way to get from island to island is through the air. Of course, there's no highways. So it, people rely on, you know, Hawaiian Airlines. Southwest now has a presence here, Mokulele Airlines. Um, and then you've got cargo carriers like Kamaka Air is here. And then you've got the general aviation pilots um, that we have to get from island to island. I mean, even in flight training, it, it trickles down to that because we don't even have a FAA written test testing center on Maui. You have to fly to, we usually go to either Kona or over to Oahu to take a written test. And so again, scholarships have been so important to me because that written test went from $160 to about $350 if you're lucky with the cost of your fuel or the cost of a commercial airline ticket to go take the test. But it wow. is beautiful. It is beautiful here. Um, I'll tell you, Kahului specifically is very unique because we have, we say it on our intro to the Fly Maui podcast, some of the craziest crosswinds in America. Um, because of the trade winds here, you don't have it quite as much at the other airports here. It's just the way that that airport's situated. Uh, when you fly through the Valley, Maui is made up of, of, two big mountains, a 10,000 foot volcano and uh, 6,300 feet of mountains on the other side. Then you have a valley in between and that's your approach into runway two at Kahului. Well, between those two mountains, that just valley becomes like a Venturi and it, you get rocked and rolled coming through that valley. And then once you hit the airport, a typical day, if you're coming in on runway two, which is the main active runway, you're usually going to have at least a 30 sometimes up to a 90 degree crosswind gusting into the thirties and our students are training in that. Um, and so they, it's, it kind of, you know, it's funny. We have a story where our first flight and when we got back in the plane with our instructor here, uh, we literally had, we're really big on personal minimums. And so we had written in our logbooks, our personal minimum for winds were 15 knots. And he just laughed and he said, you'll never fly here. Cause that's like a perfect day if it's just 15 knots. But a lot of our visiting pilots, if you're coming here on vacation, 
uh, if you're a student pilot or a pilot, they like to book uh, an instructional flight and go up and practice those crosswind landings. I'd like to go over to Kalapapa, which is a bucket list airport over on Molokai on the North Shore. It's a bucket list airport for a lot of pilots. It's super, super remote. Um, That's It used to be uh, the community where the Kingdom of Hawaii uh, basically banished people with leprosy or Hansen's disease. And so there's just like this really unique history there. There's uh, interpretive signs in the little airport terminal there. You can read about the history and then and then landing right there on the coast is just amazing. And then we love going to the Hana Airport. You can see waterfalls. And then during the wintertime, you can do turns around a point around breaching humpback whales out in the ocean. <laughs> so it's really, really fun. Uh, and it's definitely a unique turnaround of point. The point's moving a little bit, but yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's a, definitely a challenge and a beautiful yeah. thing to see. I tell you, that sounds like a, uh, it's like paradise. I mean, I, I think I want to go there. Uh, it so is. <laughs> it is. You know, and especially for our students, the visiting pilots, you know, for, I don't know, those of you who are listening who own a flight school or even a maintenance shop, uh, there are some downsides to it. This is probably one of the most corrosive environments for aircraft here. So it's a daily battle with corrosion and um, the planes just get really beat up here. You have to stay on top of it. Uh and, you know, a, a lot of people here, it's, it's funny, a lot of people here have been flying here for a long time, and you probably see this everywhere. Sometimes there can get to be a little bit of complacency, and it's something that I've been working through as a student, and now as I'm studying to become a flight instructor now, what am I going to teach my students, and what are those personal minimums when it comes to safety, because you are flying over water probably 80% of the time. You know, always wearing your your personal flotation device and have a life raft with you, things like that. And I don't know, a lot of pilots here, they've flown here for a long time. They'll, you know, they'll go all the way to Kauai, which is about a two-hour flight away, and not even wear their life jacket. Um, so I don't know. It's it's been very interesting flying here and operating a flight school here as compared to the mainland has been very, very different. A lot of challenges and a lot of challenges for those that are going to be visiting. So you can teach them a lot about those those different types of challenges. Uh, but a lot of fun. Beautiful. I, I've seen the pictures. And and by the way, if, if you get a chance, check out the show notes uh, and the Instagram page. Some really cool things as far as uh, you know what you can do with your license and also where you can go. So uh, hats off to you on that. Let's see. This has been awesome having you here. Yeah, I sure appreciate it, Carl. I mean, this is fun. I I love to talk about scholarships and applying for scholarships. I've spent so much time on it, and I love helping other people with it, and especially the younger girls coming up in the ranks and those future pilots out there. Um, The money's out there. It can can pay for almost all of your flight training. You just got to put in a little elbow grease and a lot of time and, and, and get with it. And don't ever give up. Be persistent, be patient, be diligent, and don't give up. Don't give up. I think that's a, a great thing to, to leave off on. Leslie, this has been awesome. I can't wait to have you back on, maybe on Stuck Mike Talk, more about flying in Maui. And uh, for those that are, are looking at getting into the scholarships and getting into the guide or any scholarships out there on the internet, please look at the show notes. Follow the steps that Leslie's put out there because I think they are really, really good. And this is the advice I give a lot of people, and I love the fact that you put it together like that. I really appreciate it, Leslie. Yeah, mahalo, Carl. 
<laughs> Malo. And I, I really can't wait to get out there to visit. <laughs> One day I am. I'm going to come out there and I'm going to go fly with you folks. I'll wait till this whole COVID thing's over. But the most important thing I think is that uh, you are a very positive voice in the aviation world. And we need to listen to people like Leslie by all those podcasts that are out there, everybody is talking about positive things about aviation in the world. And that's why we do this. And that's very, very important. Well, if you're listening right now, though, I know it's so hard to get started and it's so hard to move forward in your career, especially when it comes to scholarships, because we keep putting it off. But, you know, it's like anytime you want to eat an elephant, it's one bite at a time, right? You're going to you're going to make it there. And the one thing, though, you have to do is you got to get started. And if it looks like a daunting task, don't take it on all at once. Take little pieces of it and keep moving forward. But the most important thing though, I want you to do is I want you to take action right now. I want you to do something today to move forward in your career and in your life. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.